Hi everyone, this is Anthony Diaz with the Pop Health Show. The show is for anyone with a passion for health, passion for health for making other people healthier in this world. And I'm super excited today to have Colt Hatcher on the show. Colt is coming to us from Good Old Witcher Hospital Authority, where he is focused on rural health clinics, but he's a director of the rural health clinics for Good Old Witcher Hospital Authority. Um, I won't steal his thunder. Colt, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Anthony. It's it's an honor to be be on your show. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah, and uh, thanks for making time. Excited to go deep. Before we do that, though, take us back. Take us where you started. Take us to your origin story. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So I was I was born and raised in Texas. Uh, most of you can probably tell from from my accent. So you will get some some of the good Texas words like y'all and and fixing. Um, but I'm from a small town in, in rural Texas, Brock, Texas. Uh, my graduating class in high school was 58 students, and we were we were the largest class to ever graduate from Brock at that point in time. Um, for me, uh, healthcare was ingrained in, in my brain uh, from an early age. For for whatever reason, I kind of always had had the healthcare idea and the healthcare track. Um, I, I started off my my career. Um, my, my healthcare path as a pre-med student at Howard Payne University. Um, I got linked up with a family friend um, right before my senior year of, of college there at Howard Payne um, at Ohio State Medical Center. And she's a family physician there, Dr. Stephanie Cook. Um, she, mm-hmm. she said, hey, I hear you, hear you want to go the pre-med route, so why don't you come hang out with me for a little bit um, during the summer and we'll try to figure out your specialty that way we can kind of get that nailed down and, and get you an idea. And I said, hey, that sounds like a, an excellent plan, an excellent idea. Um, mm-hmm. So I went and spent the summer with, with her up there at Ohio State Medical Center. Um, and I was the first undergrad intern that they had ever had. So there wasn't a formal program. There wasn't anything like that. It was it was a very unique experience in that, you know, essentially we'd be driving to, to the hospital that day and she'd say, hey, you know, where do you want to go? And I would say, I don't know. How about radiology? And she'd call up the radiologist and say, hey, I've got somebody that's going to come hang out with you for the day. Um, so essentially did that for the bulk of the summer, kind of went around to different departments and being an adrenaline junkie, I spent most of my time in the ER seeing seeing all the, all the adrenaline filled things that they had to offer there. Um, and then one day she said, hey, I, I sit on multitude of boards here at the hospital. If you're getting into medicine, you're going to need to know the business aspect of healthcare. So you're coming mm-hmm. with me today. So I, I grew up in a blue collar family. My parents owned their own business my entire life. My dad was in construction. My mom owned a daycare for many years. Um, so I thought, okay, the business side, I'll, I know a little bit. So I, at least I'm not going to be lost and bored in all, all of these meetings. Um, and essentially from that day forward, t- building that relationship with those physicians there and, and sitting through those meetings, I, I really started to realize that I can have as much of an impact on something that, that comes natural to me from the business side that I can on on the provider side. So to fill that passion and something that's super easy and natural to me on the business aspect, that's the route that I'm going to go. So um, I finished up there at, at Howard Payne and then kind of figured, you know, I don't really know where to go from here. So I'm just going to try to get some ideas from all the all the healthcare CEOs that that they that I could get in contact with. Um, so in, in the DFW Metroplex, I, I reached out and if I could find a, a number or um, an email or 
you know, even even cold calling, showing up at the, at the healthcare facilities just just to get ten minutes with those hospital executives, um, and just kind of ask them, you know, tell me how I become you. What do I need to do? Um, through those conversations, I got, hey, why don't you go get your master's? That's a good plan. Um, got my master's at UTA, and meanwhile, still doing that same thing. Hey, how do I get to become you? What do I need to do? What do I need to get accomplished? Um, then got hooked up with the CEO at Nocona General Hospital. Um, we sat down and had a conversation, and he basically said, "Hey, um, I need I need a a business office manager at this point." So um, went there, went had had the conversation with him, transitioned over there to Nocona General Hospital. Um, left I was previously at John Peter Smith Hospital um, in Fort Worth working as an actual unit clerk in the postpartum department. So I got to be the, other than the, the providers, I was the only male that worked in that department at that point in time. So got some true clinical knowledge working alongside the, the nurses and the other staff there at JPS. Um, then, like I said, went went to Nocona from there. Um, very rapidly, I worked under a great administrator there and he said, hey, I'm gonna give you a bunch of responsibilities and I'm gonna let you be, be the chief operating officer of our hospital here. Um, just, mm-hmm. just to get you some experience. Um, of course, I c- couldn't say no to that. So I was very right. fortunate in having the ability to touch every department in that hospital um, to, to help facilitate some conversations with joint ventures, um, build relationships with physicians, kind of get a true baptism of, of how you build those relationships with those providers and, and with outside entities. Um, got a phone call to transition to the CEO position at an inpatient rehab hospital near my hometown. So kind of went back home a little bit. Um, it was a complete startup, started started that inpatient rehab facility there. So got to be on the ground floor of what it takes to actually open a facility. Um, and then one of, one of my mentors um, in my master's program worked at Parkland at the time and Gave me a call and said, "Hey, we're we're having some some troubles with our relationship with the OIG. Um, you know, they came in and found some things, and it's kind of tension filled right now. I need you to come in and help us repair that relationship." And I said, "Okay, um, that's not a tall task at all." Um, so um, fulfilled that role there. Went over and, and transitioned to him, um, and and had some great experiences working there at Parkland and working, you know, in hand in hand with with the consultants that the OIG had brought in um then got a phone call from from one of the guys that I got to know for, through the Texas Hospital Association my my current CEO um Adam said hey I need a director of our rural health clinics um will you come down and and give me give me some help and and get back to some rural roots and I said yeah that sounds sounds like a great plan so transitioned down here and been living the dream ever since <sighs> Nice, nice. Well, no, that's a great, great story. I mean, it's, it's yours. It's, it's, it reflects, you know, all the really important dimensions of kind of, uh, you know, what's chiseled you to, to be the, the professional, the leader in healthcare that you are, uh, from a process standpoint, some great mentors, great education. And obviously it's just supporting, like, obviously, you know, what you're doing, who you are, you know, you have a passion for making people healthier. You have a passion for, you know, and not just administrating, but, but growing these systems. Uh, and so really appreciate your background, um, uh, Colt. Uh, let me ask you, what has you passionate about health today? Maybe you can speak about, a, you know, maybe some of the things you're working on today. Um, but tell us about your passions in health. What has you excited? Yeah, so 
you know, I, I think we all get into the healthcare industry because we want to help people. That, you know, that's the ultimate goal, the, the ultimate passion, the ultimate thing that we are kind of driving towards. I think the thing that, that most excites me about healthcare at this point in time of, of where we stand as, as a society and a country and, and the healthcare industry, for, for me, looking back over the past, you know, 20, 30 years or so, at this point, people actually care about healthcare. They, they're paying attention to right. it. They are, are have their pulse on what is actually happening. You know, I, I have had the opportunity to, to be a guest lecturer um, at SMU and educate some undergrads on kind of the history of healthcare. And if you go back and you look at that, have presidents and, and our legislators put their stamp on healthcare? Yeah, absolutely. There's been some major things that have happened throughout the course of time. But if you really look at the 2008 elections when President Obama got elected, he almost primarily ran on a healthcare platform and won on a healthcare mm-hmm. platform. So um, ever since that point, people have really started paying attention and it's really started to matter to our population as a whole of what we're doing in the healthcare industry and, and people have been paying attention to that. So um, I, I think, you know, all of us in the healthcare industry have always known these things have been happening through through the course of time in, in our political system. But, you know, until that election, nobody really cared. And and yeah, the, the select few segments of the population that those particular pieces of legislation impacted cared. But at that point in 2008, it kind of grabbed everybody's attention as a whole and said, hey, maybe this is a bigger issue that we need to start caring about. So, for me, it's exciting that our population as a whole actually cares, um, you know, and, and that goes even even further in this this past general election here at Goodall Witcher. We had the ability to pass a hospital district, um, you know, in, in rural Texas and, and in rural parts of the country in general, um, we have to have alternative f- forms of payment. Um, and, and we kind of call that miscellaneous funds from the government or, or these alternative programs that we participate in. That, that's our bread and butter and how we su- survive. Um, with those cuts happening, we, we sat down as an executive team and as a leadership team and said, okay, what's going to be our strategy moving forward as these cuts tend to progress? And we decided, mm-hmm. hey, we are going to absolutely have, have to go for a hospital district. Um, it was very um, nerve-wracking because they had already gone for a district at one point in time and, and failed didn't pass that Mm -hmm. um so in our county for that that general this past general election um our county Mm -hmm. here in rural texas making up the demographics that it does they elected um state representatives who ran on a anti-tax platform um that's just kind of the nature Mm -hmm. of texas but for us we were wanting to tax our population and they passed that so that was a huge indicator of how our population actually felt about healthcare and how important it was to them. Um, so for me, that's kind of the biggest thing. The, the biggest thing that I am excited about healthcare today is that, you know, our population is actually telling us, hey, we care about what's going on with healthcare in our county, in our city, in our state. These things matter to, to us. Interesting. Interesting, Cole. Yeah, no, this is, you work in an interesting space and dynamic. And I, uh, yeah, I, I agree and echo, you know, um, the, what you, what you were just mentioning here about the, the, um, you know, the progression of what we're seeing, especially from a rural perspective. And along that, that same, um, thought, can you describe a little bit for our audience, you know, when, when you're focusing on rural areas, especially in this modern healthcare, as, as things have progressed pretty rapidly, 
how how it is focusing on rural areas from a care perspective differ than other areas in like metro areas um you know maybe you can speak to the differences there um we've, we've had people on the show speak about things like social determinants of health and bundled payments and you know obviously you guys have you know skilled nursing outpatient services and things like that can you speak a little bit to the difference that makes a difference in what you're doing and and why why some differences need to be in place in the in the way that you approach uh the um you know the rural aspects so absolutely there there are big differences between rural and urban areas especially here in texas because our our square footage and square mileage is so vast. Um, you know, everything's bigger in Texas, and and that's absolutely true from from the hair to the boots to to healthcare in general. Um, so the way that that I I tend to look at it, and I've had the opportunity to work again in a big urban area like DFW, and also r- rural areas where where our population here in Bosque County is eighteen thousand. That's that's m- you know, as big as cities, and that's our entire county. Um, you know, what's what's important for us and what is driving for us is we see these people every day outside of our healthcare environment. We see them at the grocery store. We see them at church on Sunday. We see them at the, at the football game on Friday night. We sit next to their grandma um, that, that we had to take mm-hmm. care of three weeks ago and, and save her, her life. Um, you know, you don't you get some of that in an urban environment, just depending on how your demographics lay out and, and where you're located. But that's that's a, a way of life for us in 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 rural America in general. So, you know, we we have those touch points with those people even after their their care that that they encounter with us. So, you know, that's that's kind of the biggest deal for us. And as far as healthcare is concerned, in in that population spectrum. You know, we as an administrative team here at Goodall Witcher, we're relatively young and hungry and we want everything. Hey, we want to be the guinea pigs for all these new programs and all these these initiatives and all these things. We'll, we'll do it all. We don't care. We want to at least give it a try. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're also realistic. We know that we more than likely will never have have a neurosurgeon here. We'll never be able to do that. We'll probably never do cardiac casts here. Um, we're, we're going to treat those, right. we're going to stabilize them, and we're going to get them to the appropriate level of care. Um, the biggest thing for us and our population is, and, and the, the things that weigh on us as administration, is we have to be masters of building relationships um, and, and mm. making those relationships work with tertiary facilities, even with other rural facilities, and how we are going to partner with them. To, to give our population the best opportunity um, at, at managing their own care and, and making us a partner in managing your, their care as possible. Um, one, mm-hmm. of the, one of the best examples that I can, can give you whenever it comes to, to that is um, kind of our one of our closest partnerships, Coriel um, Health System in, in Gatesville, Texas. Um, they're, they're about 30, 40 miles away from us. Um, we have a really good working relationship with them. Um, so they, they were adding on to, to their facility. They had, had an explosion at, at their facility. Um, essentially had to evacuate their wow. entire hospital, had to, to take, take 12 of their inpatients, transfer them somewhere along with, with about 100 or so um, nursing facility residents and, and get them all somewhere. Um, the beautiful thing about how mm-hmm. that entire entire process worked is 
the explosion happened, I literally got a, a cell phone call um, from the chief medical officer that said, hey, we need some help and we need to figure out how to get these patients out of here. Um, kind of our mm -hmm. bragging point and with that partnership is the explosion happened at about 2.30. By 6 p.m., we had all the patients transferred to us with meals and their families oh, wow. fed um, by, by 6 p.m. Um, and, and that was something entirely different mm. for us. You know, a lot of your listeners um, may, may laugh at this, but we have never been an accepting facility of a transfer. That was something entirely foreign to us. We didn't necessarily even know how to handle it. And here on day, you know, in a matter of hours, we had to figure out how to do it 12 different times um, in, in the event of emergency and get them, them triaged and to the right place and meds transferred. Um, so... With, with mm -hmm. those partnerships, we were able to, to, to grant privileges to some of their physicians to come over and, and continue that continuity of care, even bring some of their nurses over to be, help staff our facility and help take care of those patients. So those patients didn't, mm -hmm. didn't from a care perspective, didn't realize that anything catastrophic had ever, ever happened at their facility. They just changed locations. Their same provider came and took care of them. Their same nurses came and took care of them, and, and they didn't know. So I think here in... in in, in all of healthcare, we know the value of relationships, especially for us in, in rural medicine. Um, we have to be absolute masters at building those relationships and, and making sure that those relationships are intact to take care of our population. Interesting. Interesting. Um, congratulations. Yeah, that's a, that's a great example and just a real world experience like, you know, in action. Um, Tell us a couple more secrets or tips, you know, in, in relationship building for, for listeners out there that are trying, you know, to, to really, you know, expand their footprint, their their partnerships, but their process end to end. What else makes the difference? Yeah, in this space? you know, and, and in case you haven't figured it out yet, I'm an extreme relational person. Um, that's that's kind of kind of how, <laughs> how I how I lead and how I operate. I think that that's that's one of the best values that leaders can have is being able to build relationships and being able to to you know utilize those relationships that that um, can mutually benefit everybody. Um, you know, for for me coming coming to Clifton, Texas, and, and kind of being a little bit of the outsider of being the new guy, um, I essentially had to earn all of, of my physicians and all of my staff's trust. And, you know, realistically, the only mm -hmm. way to do that is, is to go out and roll up your sleeves and go to work with them. Um, and, and that's a challenge right. for us as leaders a lot of time. Trust me, I, I know and, and I will be sympathetic with, uh -huh. with all of that that our schedules are insane and that we have to juggle, you know, a million different plates and keep them all spinning. And if we drop one, that that is catastrophic to our facilities. But we, we do that mm -hmm. by practice and, and you do it a little bit at a time and, right. and sit down and have a conversation with that problem physician, have a conversation about the issue that you're, you're having and that they're having and, and mm -hmm. you know, really sit through and talk through some of the solutions and, and talk through those viewpoints. And, you know, eventually you can build that relationship to where you can have, have a conversation about a super intense topic that for, you know, for me a year ago, they would have ripped my head off to sit down and have this conversation. <laughs> but to have the ability to, mm. you know, them to trust me, to know that I don't just have my interest at heart, and, and me to trust them to know that right. they're not going to do anything detrimental to, to good all Witcher as a whole, 
um, is, is really a huge thing. And, and honestly, that's a huge culture mm-hmm. shift for this facility in general um, right. to, to actually have the ability to, to trust administration. And I know that's very cliche is that we are all the suits. And, and anytime we roam mm-hmm. the halls that it's the, oh, the suits are coming, put, put away your drinks at the nurse's station and make sure that, that everything is, is tidied up and taken care of. And I, and I have to look busy. Um, but for us, it's, it's real dialogue and it's real, Hey, if, if you, if mm-hmm. you do have your drink out at the nurse's station, let's have a conversation about it. And I can have that conversation about why that's not right. appropriate and why that's not okay because they they trust me that I have the best interest of everybody at heart. Right. Yeah, no, it's 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 great. Yeah, and I appreciate it. and I, I you know, and the hearing the underpinning of, you know, it, it, it it's it's about high standards, um, building trust, building great relationships and being focused in that. And you know, it's it's super admirable, right? So, you know, on the hospital side, provider side, we have a lot of guests on the show that um, it's, it's just fascinating the level of bravery that one needs to do this role. You see so many different things. Um, at the same time, you know, it could be really easy to kind of not extend yourself and not push boundaries and not, um, you know, develop that one extra incremental new relationship that can Absolutely. make a difference. Right. Um, I, I guess, uh, along those lines, um, the resilience factor, right, makes it makes a big difference in, in, in bravery. Um, I'd love to hear, uh, Colt, maybe you can tell us a little bit about your viewpoint on well-being. Like, what do you do to stay resilient, to stay brave? How do you stay healthy? What are some some things that you believe or, or, or doing, you know, from an activity or, or eating standpoint that you feel, you know, you know, gets you to be optimal so you can you can lead that you can be brave, that you can, you can promote that bravery, uh, for those around, you know, for, for me, and again, I'm going to make that caveat for, for me, um, that, that's something that, that, Mm -hmm. that's really important to me. It's always been important to me. You know, I I grew up playing sports. I grew up, um, being an athlete, being athletic. Um, so, so that's kind of an important thing for, for me and to have the mindset of competition as well. Um, I'm, I'm the person that I hate running on the treadmill. I can't do it. I get so bored, uh, you know, looking at the window uh-huh. or, or looking at the TV or, or looking at the wall. I can't do it. I've got to do, I've got to play basketball. I've got to, you know, do something that is going to be competitive. You know, we were, we were talking a little bit offline about some of the stuff that we do on our side, um, on our spare time, um, so I, I, there's another podcast that I listen to that has convinced me to to take up jujitsu, um, and that is absolutely probably mm-hmm. the most humbling thing that anybody can ever do. Um, definitely, I realized very quickly mm-hmm. how out of shape that I actually was. I thought I was in good shape, but realized how out of shape I actually was. Um, and, and the cool thing that that I've have noticed about about that sport in particular is. It's not only physical, but it absolutely trains your brain. Um, it keeps your brain on top of right. what what your strategy is, what your next plan is, and and the thing that's interesting about about that sport in particular, and 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 I have you know an, another sport that that I participate in that some of you may may or may not like. Um, it's a sport called three gun. Um, but it kind of has the same same principles that you can apply to to your everyday leadership life of, hey, I've got to think through strategy before I do it. I've got to plan my moves. I've got to plan my next step. And essentially, in, in all of the sports that I participate in, 
and I've never really thought about this until, until right now, in order to be successful, you are looking at your economy of motion. The amount of energy that you expend getting from point A to point B and the ones that can figure out how to do that the most efficiently are the ones that are successful. And that's absolutely a huge leadership principle in my mind is that and when I'm working on a project or I'm working on building that relationship with the physician, if all we're doing is butting heads, that's expending a ton of energy and a ton of resources. If I can do mm-hmm. that effic- efficiently Amen. and effectively and, and more efficiently and effectively um, than maybe my competitor, then we're, we're absolutely going to win the game of healthcare. Um, so, so that that's right. I, I like to I like to participate in activities that that are going to make me not only more healthy and but but a better person and a better leader. And and in my viewpoint, I I owe that to my organization, to my family, to my friends, to my community that we serve, to the employees that I lead. Um, that's mm-hmm. kind of my my passion and my calling is is I owe those things to to those people. Cold. No, that's fantastic. And con- congratulations too. I mean, you can hear it, you can see it, you know, obviously it's, it's all circular, right? It's all connected, you know, being brave, leading, staying healthy, staying fit, doing what you do, reinvesting, extending yourself, being brave, being resilient. And you've got a lot of great, you know, momentum and flow and, you know, the education and, and, you know, cultivation of mentorship throughout the years that has, has really compounded uh, along those lines of momentum. Tell us a little bit about you know, where you see healthcare going or the future of healthcare, what has you excited about the future? So for, for again, drawing from, from where I sit currently, um, you know, uh, again, and this is the same thing that excites me today and about the future is that people actually care about healthcare. Um, you know, we had had that very evident with our hospital district passing and, and that shows us that, that people are actually paying attention and people specifically care what we do here at Goodall Witcher. And and I only see that trend continuing. Um, people, kind of the cliche thing mm-hmm. to, to say at this point in the healthcare industry is we're, we're shifting and everything is changing. And, and I argue a little bit that that, that shift and that, that seismic, um, seismic shift has already happened. Um, so we were kind of in, in the transition of the earth still shaking. So to me, I kind of view healthcare right now as people are begging for a disruptor. They're, they're looking for something that is going to come right. and disrupt the, the way that we have always done things and, and make it for the better. You know, if, if you think through the big disruptors that we all, all know and love, Amazon, Apple, um, all, all of those companies, Netflix, um, they were the ones that capitalized on that, that Mm -hmm. begging for a disruption. So I think the ones that are going to be successful in the future are the ones that can figure out what that disruption is. And, and I argue that that's going to vary based on markets. Um, you know, for us, it's going to, our disruption is going to be entirely different than what it's going to be in the Dallas, Houston, Austin, San Antonio metro areas. Um, you know, just because, some of the resources that those bigger metro areas have um, have have the ability to put some things into play that we don't. So our, our major disruptions, for example, mm-hmm. one is going to be telehealth. That's kind of foreign to all of our market share population. 
they don't necessarily know anything about telehealth. Mm-hmm. They don't know much much um, what it takes to get that accomplished. Um, they're just now starting to figure out some of the mm-hmm. things that um, you know some of your other podcasters have talked about that you can sit in your PJs, look on the back of your insurance card. There's a website that you can log into and you can talk to a provider from laying in your bed on your phone via FaceTime. Um, <laughs> so for us, that's a little yeah. bit concerning because um, we we have patients, our county is so large, we have patients that potentially have to drive 45 minutes to, to get to us. So we are a little concerned that mm-hmm. we're going to lose out on that population um, from from a competition standpoint, because they're not going to want to drive 45 minutes when they can just figure out how to do that on their on their phone. So for us, it's figuring out how how do right. we go in and how do we personally utilize some of these services, whether it be telemedicine or do we put an outreach clinic in that community, or how do we how do we offer the services that we can potentially offer to that segment of our population to give them access to the care from not only a business competitive standpoint of we don't want to lose you, but also to the betterment of, of that population in that community. Um, you know, our, our nearest trauma mm-hmm. level facility outside of us is going to be going to be the Waco market, which is 30, 30 miles away. If we have a traumatic event that happens on the other side of our mm-hmm. county, there's a potential that if we didn't exist and we didn't have the ability to get appropriate care to that patient, that they wouldn't make it. They absolutely would not make it to that, that Waco market. So those right. are kind of the things that, that we've been talking about and the ideas of how, how we extend um, some of the services that we have the potential to offer. How do we get them to the segments of our population that actually could use them the most? Mm, mm. Yeah, no, this is you know, super powerful. And I I appreciate that. I agree totally with the disruptors and, you know, the phenomenon of of telemedicine, but, you know, let alone the convergence of, Hey, you know, stuff like this is getting a little bit more common or the underlying principles to welcome these concepts to be more consumer friendly or really feel like they're upon us. Right. And so it draws upon an an exciting time. Um, Colt, this is, you know, super helpful. We really appreciate your time. Love to have you come back. Maybe, maybe the next episode, it's we dive a little bit deeper on, 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 you know, the underlying disruptive principles that are ushering that could usher in the innovation, right? And so it'd be great to dive deeper on some other elements. And then, um, I do have to say, I love your name. <laughs> Congratulations to your parents. Uh, it sounds like a superhero name, but, uh, anyway, I'm, I'm kidding around, but no, it's a, it's a great name. I was just, you know, just looking at it again, Colt Hatcher. Um, Colt, it was great to have you on the show. Um, what's a good way for our listeners to engage with you if they're yeah, interested absolutely. in reaching out um, or engaging with so you? So people from Texas, we, we, I, I will boast my, my Texas, um, guns here that we are the most friendly state in the nation. Um, the majority of us. Um, so I, I'm, I'm an absolute open book. You can definitely find me on LinkedIn. Um, and I'll even tell you to go to my Instagram page, um, so absolutely, uh, you can see oh, yeah. all of my shenanigans with with my family. Um, I have four little ones between me and my girlfriend, so you can see um, some of the the things that they get into. Absolutely, so um, definitely look me up on LinkedIn. Um, my my Instagram is at um, C Hatch. Um, so Colt Hatcher, but knock out some of those some of those letters. Um, absolutely, find me there. I, you can feel free to email me at chatcher at gwhf.org. Um, 
um, and, and I would be happy to answer any questions, connect, um, and, and build relationships with it, with any of you guys out there. Great, great. Colt, we really appreciate it. We'll link to that stuff in the show notes and uh, we'll have to have you back. So thanks Absolutely. again for being Thank on you. the show, Colt. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Colt. And to our listeners out there, again, this is the Pop Health Show. Thanks so much, everyone. <laughs>